Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast, boys and girls. Where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas. Joining me down there in Decula, Georgia, my good friend, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is good to be back once again, talking ball. I'm excited for this week, man. This is a special week. It's a special week on the pod. Very um, special. Shout out to your brother who's listening now, chomping at the bit, waiting for me to pick Tennessee outright. He's just ready right to, to drive pod. off the side of the road um, in anger at, uh, at my take. <laughs> he, he's ready. He's lining up. He was, he was a little upset. Um, I don't know if it was before or after Georgia was down for the majority of their their opener against FIU um, yesterday. I don't remember if it was that day or before. Um, Are you taking shots at the basketball team now? Is that what's going on? I mean, I, I could take shots at literally every yeah, they program. They got the dub. That's, mm-hmm. all, that's all that matters. I just I hope you're cherishing. Second of that. I'll be honest. I tried to watch. Like, I saw, like, watching the, the playoff rankings, mm-hmm. and Kentucky Duke came on. I'm like... I'm like, Kentucky Duke is coming on right now, and I, like, couldn't care less. Like, that's, like, a big time. Like, it's just not – I'm just not in basketball mode right now. I'm just all football. And, like, Kentucky Duke, like, that's as sexy as it gets. Although I don't know, you know, with all the one and duns and everything, I don't know how good both of them are supposed to be this year. I'm sure Duke will be, you know, one of the best. But, yeah, I just thought that last night. I'm just like, it's not basketball season for me yet. I'm just in football mode. Well, that's what I was fighting with the Braves, man, was that like the the Braves stuff. I'm like, baseball season's still going and I'm just, I'm so locked in on football and then I got the Hawks going and I got NBA stuff that I'm locked in on. So it's just, uh, it's hard to have your mind going in just all these different places. Um, there's just a, this time of year, man, there's a lot going on. But if the pandemic taught us anything about sports, it's that yeah, they can be taken away and uh, don't take this stuff for granted because we were, we were... Uh, in a bad way without uh, sports for, for months at a time. I, I remember that feeling. It was cool for one month. Not, we're not going back. We're never going back. I can't do it. I don't think I could do that all over again. And I, just thinking about your livelihood, I'll, we don't have to relitigate all of that. But um, yeah, it, it, it it's a good problem to have is essentially what I'm saying here. Um, but Matt Green, uh, we have a lot, to, a lot of games. We got rivalry weekend. We got all kinds of good stuff on the docket. Um, but let's start Matt Green. Well, first off, uh, a quick news item and quick new, uh, quick little show note for you folks. Uh, make sure you go to chasethomaspodcast.com today. If you have not already done so, every episode of this very podcast can be found on chasethomaspodcast.com. Go follow Matt, our CFB expert on this podcast at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Follow myself at Chase double underscore Thomas. And if you like listening to Matt and I talk college football on this very program, Make sure to leave us a five-star rating and review. And you can also email us any college football questions that you might have. Podcast at gmail.com. Um, Matt Green. So, Nigel, you know. You know our guy, Nigel, the Nighthawk. He dropped some news uh, at our doorstep. And I think we got to start with the ESPN college football rankings. Because I was texting back and forth uh, with my buddy Ryan uh, back home in, in Georgia. And... Uh, you're talking about the the playoff and he was upset and he was just like there's no rhyme or reason for any of this and he's also a georgia fan and also been on this very podcast but um he was upset my we've we've talked about my rankings and we talked about it last week 
this didn't really stun me. It's just we're doing this facade with Oregon that still bothers me because if you're my main takeaway is that like if you're going to put so much into the eye test, which it seems like they're doing through two weeks here, Oregon can't be in anyone's top four. The eye test is abysmal for Oregon. Um, I don't think you can include them. Like I would still include a one loss Michigan State or a one loss Michigan. I think they're are a lot of a lot of better options. I think you can make the case Purdue's better than Oregon uh, at this point. So I um I don't know. I that's my main thing is I just get frustrated when I see them because I do have four three of those four in my own uh top four, but my top four includes a team that you cannot make the case for as it stands right now because they do have two losses, that being the Texas A&M Aggies, but I also think Texas a and is the second best team in college football right now. Um, I don't know. That's that's where I'm at. But uh, what do you make of the rankings and the top group as a whole? Yeah, I um, yeah, I think your Texas A&M take. You know, I just can't. I can't get with you there. Like right now, they're one of the more dangerous teams, but you just can't. Like you can't erase those early losses to Mississippi State and Arkansas. You know, like those happened. And like those happened with the same team with Zach mm-hmm. Calzada at quarterback too. But I know what you mean about the facade of Oregon over Ohio State, but like no one in their right mind thinks Ohio's thinks Oregon is better than Ohio State today, mm-hmm. you know? But the two teams played and Oregon won. You know, it's like college football is such a flawed sport, like we already have so few matchups of head to head when we're comparing these teams, like now we're like discounting what happens in September because it's November now. It's like it's a whole body of work. And yeah, why the Oregon, you know, they have the bad loss to Stanford. It's like Michigan State, I mean, they just lost to Purdue and now Purdue's in the ranking, so it looks like a better loss. But like they didn't beat anybody. You know, they didn't earn other than Michigan. You know, and, and Michigan has hardly beaten anybody too. So it's like I don't really know. That's really the biggest part. The, uh, the inconsistency I see is I just don't know how you can justify Michigan being ahead of Michigan State. Like, I don't have much problem with any of the rankings for the most part, but like like you said, like, I can I don't think Ohio State should be ahead of Oregon, but I can justify putting them ahead of them because it was so long ago that they played. Michigan and Michigan State played like 10 days ago. Like, mm-hmm. they and it, it just happened and Michigan State won. So I just, I don't see how in any way how Michigan can be six and Michigan State be seven. Like I that just blows my mind. And into the Cincinnati people that were just losing their mind after week one, oh, they're never gonna put a power, group of five team in the playoff. Like they're number five right now. Georgia and Alabama still have to play. That's one and two. And and honestly with how Oregon looks, I almost think Oregon's gonna just trip up and, and we won't even have this to worry about. That won't be like part of the formula that we're that we're balancing. Cause because no one really thinks Oregon's up there, but their resume, you kind of have to put them up there. Like, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they get tripped up. So it's like, if Oregon, if one of those teams can lose, you still, you still got Oklahoma that can creep up and, and jump Cincinnati. But, like, Georgia and Alabama, obviously Alabama can beat Georgia, and they can potentially both get in. But there is definitely a path for Cincinnati to get in the playoff. I agree. Um, even with the, like, there's people who are way too hard on Cincinnati about the Tulsa clunker where it's like, okay, do we have to relitigate, uh, Tulane, Oklahoma to start the year? Um, 
do we have to talk about what Ohio State has struggled with at certain points? Like teams have struggled. Like they're not everyone's going to be Georgia or Alabama where you just crockpot everybody every week. Um, that's no, and just... that's the, that's the the disadvantage Cincinnati has mm-hmm. is there's so few like games on their schedule that would impress anybody. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, that's just where they they are, and they have to have those style points, and they're not getting them. Currently. But. Like you said, I don't think it necessarily matters because as long as they take care of business, and I think at this point we would agree that it would be a gigantic stunner if they don't finish undefeated, um, at least yeah. in the regular season. I think the AAC game is a totally different deal uh, depending on who they get in that one. But if they can take care of their business, like I don't think it matters where they stand week to week because, like you said, they're five now. I don't think everybody in front of them is going to stay clean, and I don't think enough people are going to hop them now. That At that point, Luke Fickle's out of there, right? Like if they get hopped out of there by somebody in the last week or two um, where they've been number four, number three for several weeks because one of these teams in front of them go down earlier than that, um, then we have a totally different discussion we need to have about like what what are we even doing here. But I think as it stands right now, it would be very surprising for me um, – to not see Cincinnati among the the four that make the playoff right now. I think they're in good shape. Like I think well, they see, I would, I, they control their own destiny is I think the biggest thing here. I mean, I won't be surprised in the slightest if they don't make the playoff though. Like there's just so Wait, many no, if they I mean, wait no, hold on. What I'm saying is do you do you do you believe that if they still go undefeated and win the AAC or are you saying it like Yeah, w- I mean, I, I think the assumption is Cincinnati's going undefeated. I'm just mm-hmm. saying like I won't them going undefeated is not an automatic playoff bid by mm-hmm. any means. So I won't be surprised if if we just have if the four teams that are ahead of them now end up ahead of them, or if it's Georgia, Alabama gets knocked out, but Oklahoma jumps ahead of them. Like mm-hmm. I think that's probably the most likely or like whatever you want to call likely if you think Georgia is going to beat Alabama. But I think Oklahoma is ultimately going to jump Cincinnati because they're going to play it or if they go undefeated because they'll have to beat Baylor, they'll have to beat Oklahoma state and they'll have to be, you know, one of those teams likely again in the big 10 or the big 12 championship. So they're just going to have way more solid wins. And I'm not even sure how great any of those individual wins are, but I think it's at the end of the day when it's 13 and over 13 and Oh, Oklahoma's resume is going to be more impressive. Well, then I should throw out the caveat as well as what I'm saying is like, I don't think Oklahoma's running the table. I don't think Oregon is staying where they're at. I think there's still a possibility Ohio State gets tripped up. And I think the SEC could get a little bit more messy. Like, that's what I'm saying. See, it's the like Ohio it, State part I don't think matters just because I think the Big Ten champions getting in. So I mm. think that's like that's just one of the teams. But, yeah, if Oregon and Oklahoma lose, yeah, I think Cincinnati, yeah, I think they have a, a almost a clear shot at the playoff. Yeah, and I don't I don't think Oklahoma's getting getting through everything unscathed. And I'm, I don't want to lock in Oregon – getting at least one more loss but i definitely want to go ahead and do that yeah, if Anthony and I, I wouldn't pick any individual team to do it so that's the only reason mm-hmm. i would struggle but it's like i don't know it's just it's it's a feeling you have about oregon that they're just not they're just not 100 percent legit and it feels like they might get tripped up again do you have any thoughts of like the bottom of the rankings i know a lot of people are kind of making a fuss about you know that that 15 to 25 range or maybe just like the 11 to 25 range how how that has the potential to kind of manipulate the rate, the the rankings, you know, how, you know, you get Arkansas in there at 25, like is Arkansas the 25th best team in the country? Now, 
now Georgia has a another win over a ranked team. It's like is that a is that a legitimate win over a ranked team or you or even even Purdue jumping into the polls? It's like like is that an indictment on Michigan State or is Purdue actually a top twenty five team? Like Penn State beat Auburn. Auburn's up here at seventeen. Penn State's not even ranked. So it's kind of interesting, like and that I feel like that kind of fuels the the resume you know like baylor baylor just lost to tcu they went from 12 to 13 like i'm not sure how that happens like a loss to a, a pretty bad tcu team that seems like a 12 to 18 kind of drop you know so i wonder if that you know oklahoma state at 10 baylor at 13 if they're like almost setting the stage to like okay oklahoma's gonna have these good wins and then we can justify them them jumping Cincinnati. It almost feels like a little shady in those in in the bottom part of the rankings. Hmm. I hadn't considered it that way. Um I think Auburn's too high, like you said. I think we're gonna see Wisconsin find their way into like the eight or nine range over the next week. I think the only thing that that seemed a little egregious to me based on the tape I've seen is BYU at fourteen. Um BYU's a good program, but they're not the the fourteenth best team in the country this year. Um they're solid. Uh, they've had some injury issues at quarterback, but um, I don't think they're they're there. And also, like you said, Baylor going down to um, TCU last week in the way they did, and Wake Forest. It might be a uh, an avalanche of bad news there because they got NC State this week, and I think NC State's going to hop down because I think NC State's the best team in the ACC this year. But um, and it could be part of this, just kind of how the numbers worked, like Wake Forest and Auburn lost, and Baylor lost, and you know, so may- maybe there's. Maybe I'm making. I'm not. I don't want to be tinfoil hat guy over here. Mm. But um, I I wonder how much that kind of stuff impacts the uh the the committee because because you know there's just there's so many of these built-in biases and it's just it's tough to it's tough to navigate around them. For sure, for sure. Um, well, Matt Green, we have some other news items. Did you see the Jay McGuire press conference today for Texas Tech? I did not. Screaming, red, whatever their chant is. That's how we open the press conference. It's like Raider something. Um, strong Dan Campbell vibes I got <laughs> from that opener. Um, he's been an associate head coach at Baylor for, I think, three years now. But he was a coaching legend, high school coaching legend in Texas. And he stayed on uh, after Matt Rule to uh, continue on. He got elevated because he wasn't the associate head coach before Dave Aranda elevated him. But I mean, I think everything with him is going to come down to staff. Um, it, we'll see what he does there. I think he has a good shot of putting together better staff than, uh, than Matt Wells did, but I don't know. Like just, he's a huge wild card. I have, I have no idea. He winning in high school is completely different than winning in college, but there's also a lot of good positive cases there. Like Gus Malzahn, Art Bryles. Um, there are a lot of, high school coaches high school coaching legends that have gone on to succeed at the college level so we'll see uh chad morris i guess before uh everything went uh, awry at uh, arkansas but um i don't know what do you make of texas tech hiring away joey mcguire and also him starting this like leaving baylor mid-season and i understand why he had to because of recruiting now and also because they play Baylor later this year. So it's like he can't play Texas Tech when he's been named the Baylor head coach um, or the Texas Tech head coach rather. But it is extremely weird and seems extremely crappy to leave your team mid-year, especially when you're the associate head coach. So it's like when people get in their feelings about, oh, college football with these co- with these players in the portal, I'm like, 
this man just left his program mid-season to go take another job. And I understand there aren't that many of these Power 5 jobs, and he took it, and it's a great opportunity for him and all that kind of stuff. But, man, it does stink that he's leaving mid-season and that uh, kind of leaving the Baylor players in a lurch there a little bit, right? Yeah, that's the part I was going to mention. Like, I, because I was wondering, like, this guy isn't going to start coaching, right? Like, right away, but he's going to start, like, as soon as this 2021 season ends. But, yeah, I hate this trend, to be honest. And I think this is a direct result of, like you said, uh, the early signing period. If you wait till the season is over, conference championship week, at least, it's like that's the first week of December. And then you have. I don't know what year, it, what day it is uh, this year, but it's usually what, like December fifteenth, seventeenth. Right. It's like you're gonna have two weeks to recruit an entire class. Sometimes mm-hmm. you kind of have to do this, and I think that's why the early signing period. It's like they needed to do it like college basketball did it, and have a have a signing period like before the season starts, like for the guys that know they're they're seniors and they know where they're going to college. I can go ahead and just sign this, get it out of the way. Like doing it in December, it just became the new signing day instead of the one in February. And it it just it put teams with coaching changes just so behind the eight ball. I feel like I think it's got to be a matter of time till the early signing period is either changed or just gotten rid of completely. Because it seems like like for the teams that, you know, have stability, it's it's really good. You know, they they get to get some of the hay in the barn, if you will two months before the the official signing day you know but these teams in transition i think it just it's so difficult and you just for for this whole win now like mindset that every coach every uh athletic department has with their head coach it's like the first season he could potentially sign a class of, of 14 15 players it's like that's not going to help a team win now and especially with with the transfer portal who knows how many guys transfer along with the head coach leaving so i don't know i i hate this that we're we got guys leaving teams in the first week of november like like yeah like you said like you want to talk about the players and the transfer portal and oh they're afraid of competition and all that like these coaches can go wherever they want they don't even have to finish the season and they're constantly preaching, you know, finish the drill, all this together, family, all this stuff. And then they just bounce at the next best opportunity. So don't don't vilify these kids when they do the same thing, you know. But it's also like to your point where I'm like, I don't think I like either of it. Like it stinks that Harrison Bailey just dipped midseason. Like I don't think he was going to play and he wasn't going to factor and it. He was in a he was dealt a bad hand because Pruitt got fired and he didn't sign on for this offense and all that. So you feel for the kid. But I do wish, man, that you could just put your name in the portal and then you still finish out the year. Like, you still finish out the time with this group and then you address where you're going. Like, have conversations, whatever. But, like, finish out the year because now Tennessee has nothing. They have no scholarship quarterbacks after Joe Milton. And I don't know, man. Like, I don't like that trend either of just how on both sides they're dipping mid-year more often than not. And I think there is a tipping point where you're going too far to like make everybody happy. And it's like, Oh, it's, it's a utopia. You, everyone should be able to do whatever. And movement's awesome. And it's like, well, sometimes movement's not great. And maybe part of the problem was, yeah, there was a, there was obviously some, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? There is, um, some hypocrisy when it comes to coaches, like you said, preaching, finish the drill. And then they just leave their program in a lurch for a big payday. Um, a la 
Mel Tucker going from Colorado to Michigan State when he did, um, it's it's generally speaking not true, and it's it sucks for fans of that program. But then when you compound that with players now doing it, you're like, man, this is kind of a bummer that people are just dipping mid year, and you could have your season just derailed because things aren't going right, and then well, certain and guys jump in the portal and they're just gone. And you remember when Cincinnati played Florida in the Sugar Bowl Mm -hmm. with Brian Kelly. It's like that's the biggest game in Cincinnati football history back in, what, 2009? And the head coach just bounces. He just, oh, no, he's the coach at Notre Dame now. It's like imagine if that happened today and Cincinnati also has a first-round pick at quarterback and uh, a guy on on defense is a first-round. It's like we're going to play this huge game, New Year's Six Bowl, and our head coach is gone, our quarterback's gone, and our, our starting defensive lineman is, is just sitting out. Like, it's just such a bummer. I agree. I agree. Um, you had, I feel like you have more thoughts about the this than I Expert analysis. The expert analysis you get there. Just such a bummer. <laughs> I mean, it is. And I mean, part of it, though, is like, I don't like stressing and fretting about the things that I can't change. And I can't change any of this. Like, I can be really upset about it and annoyed, but this is where things are headed. And Well, because you have to have the two-way street with the right. players. Like, especially we got coaches putting programs under probation, and then they just go bounce and get mm-hmm. a new job. It's like, that. it's just, that's awful. And the, the players, obviously, they have academic, you know, things to, to worry about and transferring credits, I'm sure, and stuff like that. But, like... To, to to not allow the players until until this year to be able to just at least the one time transfer like that's a huge step in the right direction like you have to do that it's because the coaches are also able to do that but you you have to figure out a way to kind of not make it just the wild wild west you know like it's there, there has to, and I think this early signing period at some point I think that's that's a huge player in all of this personally for sure for sure we'll see maybe they'll move it maybe enough people will complain or coaches and players get annoyed by it maybe they do reverse course we'll see um because i I know the high school coaches hate it i know high school coaches have hated i'm sure i Mm -hmm. mean it's like i mean when when is high school football the playoffs end like that's like the first week of december so Mm -hmm. right it's it's right around there but um shoot i totally forgot what i was gonna say now you you keep on moving that was my fault Uh, um good Nebraska, I feel like you have stronger thoughts on this because you've been a Scott Frost believer. I think we both agreed that it's good that they're fighting the way that they have this season, that Nebraska keeping it close against Ohio State is admirable. But at some point, these have to turn into wins. I did think it was weird that he said it was like an easy thing to do to move on from uh, his coaches. Did you see that? Like, I don't. The, the headline, I'm sure, was pulled out of context, but I just saw, like, the way he explained away, because he had to keep his job... For him to keep his job, he had to lose some assistance that he brought with him from UCF. And, uh... I don't know. He's I like... I will say, I will mm-hmm. say, I'm not just buying the Scott Frost stock, right? I You've been very clear about buying the Scott Frost. It's to buy, you mm-hmm. know? His stock is super low. Mm-hmm. But, um... I just felt like... For one, like how many good coaches are lining up for Nebraska, right? Like this is actually – it's a guy you know is a good coach. Like maybe it won't work out in Nebraska. Maybe ultimately he's got to go somewhere else. But he, you know he's a good football coach and he actually wants to be at Nebraska. Like that, that's, the, that's the starting point, <laughs> you know? And then 
just the fact that yeah, like they have they have battled some, you know, like I'm not acting like, you know, three and seven is is good because you have a bunch of close losses, but I like we said last week, it seems like they're at least like not giving up. Like they're at least in games, they're competitive. And it's just it's another one of those like is 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 sports becoming like more logical now? Like Jim Harbaugh last year. He's like, All right guys, I know I've been disappointing, but if you just pay me less money, you know, I've kind of I've kind of done enough at that salary. And like the Nebraska is the same way. Like Scott Frost agreed to just make less money. I just felt like the the timing of it was so strange. Like if you're going to get the the vote of confidence with 3 games left in the season, I feel like that means you're, you know, you're on board with what this guy's doing. And it's like, "Oh yeah, but you need to fire your whole staff." It's like, "Wait, what?" Like so you're not on board with what we're doing, right. right? Like you're you're changing up something completely. It seems like you're just delaying the inevitable, which is ultimately going to fire be firing Scott Frost. And also mm. at 3 and 7, it's like this is encouraging. And then maybe they win their last 3 games. I think they have a couple tough opponents in the in the Big 10 West in the last 3, but maybe they do. Maybe they maybe they upset Wisconsin or something. Maybe they upset Iowa or something. But maybe they get blasted a couple of times. <laughs> maybe they end up three and nine. And now you're like, well, we already said we were bringing him back. It, the timing of it just seems so weird to me. Yeah, that's true. Um, don't count your chickens before they hatch here. So, I mean, I guess at that, but like my thing too is, I don't know. If you feel differently about Scott Frost between like four and eight versus three and nine, I'm just like, what? Does that really matter in the grand scheme of things? You either believe in this coach or you don't. Um, I don't think. No, that's true. Mm-hmm. But it's five and seven is a lot better than three and nine. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a lot, but it is better. But it's like, it's also like you finish strong. It's like something true. to hang your hat on. It's like, you know, this team had a lot of adversity, but they never gave up. And then they won a couple games late, if that's what happens. It's like there's something to talk about. I think you just let the season play out and then you make the decision. We're like, you know, he's still a good coach. We're not giving up on him yet kind of thing. It just seems weird to do it with a month left in the season. And maybe it goes back to what we said, early signing period. Like they want all the recruits out there to know our coach is not getting fired. All right. I don't know what the other coaches are telling you. He's good. So maybe that's what it comes down to. Maybe early signing period is just making the whole college football world go around. Maybe. May be Matt Green. Um, one other quick item before we get into our pick'em this week. Uh, all right, I guess you have the Wild Wild West. Do you want to do your because we're in the Big Ten anyway? Do you want to hit the yeah, Wild Wild uh, Big Ten West? Stick, stick with it while we're in. Mm-hmm. I need Big the soundboard for this because this would be perfect if I could play the Wild Wild West. You'd be wild. Um, yes, the wild, wild Big mm-hmm. Ten West. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? I, I have not. Uh, to get my Jay Leno on. I was going to say, um, yeah. Top four teams in the Big Ten West, hint, Nebraska is not one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top four teams in the Big Ten West right now are four, are all four and two in conference. And this is going to be interesting. I think we all like just kind of left Wisconsin out for dead, you know, mm-hmm. a month ago. And now, you know, they finished the season with Northwestern, Nebraska, and Minnesota. So those four teams, yeah, I think most people know Wisconsin, Minnesota, Purdue, and Iowa are all four and two. Like Iowa was number two in the country a month ago. Now they're looking like middle of the road Big Ten West. Like it's like what does your gut tell you right now 
of who here. Let me actually let me read you who they got left. So Wisconsin's got Northwestern, Nebraska, Minnesota, and they have wins over Purdue and Iowa. That, that's important for the tiebreaker. Can I go ahead and say I think they sweep that? That's probably true. And then end up seven and two in the conference. Mm-hmm. Minnesota. So you're definitely picking Wisconsin then. If I that's am. The case. And then Minnesota, you got four and two. They got Iowa, Indiana, Wisconsin. They're probably going to drop two of those, at least one. They do have the win over Purdue. Purdue's got Ohio State, so <laughs> they're basically out. But they do have the win over Iowa, but losses to Minnesota and Wisconsin. And then Iowa, they lost to Purdue and Wisconsin. So I feel like with those losses, like they might have a head-to-head over Minnesota. They have Minnesota, Illinois, Nebraska left. So Iowa's basically out with those two those two head-to-head losses. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. I, it almost is how the ACC – uh, is working out like it's just the craziest season of all time and then we might end up with clemson back in the acc championship like after all it's all said and done and like this is kind of how it feels in the big 10 west like it's just madness you don't really know who's who's better than who and then by the end of it is the favorite wisconsin yeah um but i could be wrong i mean we like you said we've seen the downside of this wisconsin badgers team so we're just assuming that they figured it all out graham mertz is still only throwing like 11 12 times a game so um that's probably where he needs to be though is he needs to be someone who is incredibly micromanaged and just doesn't have devastating turnovers doesn't do dumb stuff doesn't complete 40 percent of his passes and they are able to run the ball that's wisconsin football and i think they've been able to do that last couple weeks so that's true because this defense is so good that's all they have to do um so i uh i I like wisconsin down the stretch here um that's probably fair who do you have i'm i'm just looking at the 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 road they have like Purdue is going to lose to Ohio State. I feel like you can almost just guarantee that. So we say just... that, and then they're just like these giant killers. Like, I ah, agree, but fair. man, they are they have shown no fear in big games. Minnesota with Iowa and Wisconsin, they're in control of their own destiny, right? It's like they have a head-to-head over Purdue, and mm-hmm. they still have to play Wisconsin and Iowa. But part of you just feels like, well, you're only 4-2 and two because you still have to play Iowa and Wisconsin, you know? So... I imagine I I could probably see Minnesota losing both of those, but um, yeah I won't won't spoil the pick 'em for this week, but um yeah and then Iowa Minnesota Illinois Nebraska like they could easily run the table end up seven and two in the conference, but uh, Wisconsin's got that head to head, so that's probably the most likely scenario is that Wisconsin and Iowa end up end up both seven and two, and uh, the Badgers win the tiebreaker. That's probably right. Um, and that's probably what the Big Ten wants because it's like just when certain brands are good, it just makes the conference feel better, right? When when Texas and Oklahoma are in the top ten and playing in the Big 12 championship, it just feels better than when Oklahoma and Iowa State are in the top ten playing in the Big 12 championship. Like, no disrespect to the Cyclones, but that's just, that's just how it is. For sure, for sure. All right, Matt Green, uh, what say you we get into our pick this week? Yeah, man, let's do it. All do right. Do we need well, to uh, recap the, uh, our, our records on the year? I wouldn't – well, we don't have to do the year. I think what's important is if we stay whatever happened in the most recent pick <laughs> So that so – first week that you do better than me, is that is that what we're, we're going to focus on? I think it's only right, yes. But you're right. You're coming off an eight and three overall, eight and three against the spread. I'm six. I was six and five overall, five and six against the spread. But uh, what is that? I got a ten game lead on you. 
71 and 40 to your 61 and 50 overall. And then uh, just a six game lead against the spread. I'm 60, 49 and two against the spread. Winning you guys some money if you're taking these to the bank. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're 54, 55 and two, which is basically how I am when I go to Vegas. <laughs> I win a, I feel like I win a good number of games and then uh, come out about even. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, it could be worse. You could come out in the negative. Yeah, it could be losing a lot of money. What is the worst number? Like, what is I, uh, the worst number where it's still just not a number where, like, Tori's contemplating leaving you? What's the number? Oh, the money I could lose? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I don't know. I can't even... I can't what would you be that. most scared? What would you be most afraid of? Like, where you're like, I, I, I don't not. know. I couldn't just lose like a thousand dollars. Okay. I would. I would. That's not even Tory. That's me. I'm just like, holy. I guess that was dumb. That was so dumb. Do you, you stay know? in Vegas but, an extra two days to win it back? Oh man, <laughs> that seems like a terrible strategy. But, but people do it. People do it. They're like, well, I guess I might as well stay because I'm down. I can't leave when I'm down. I gotta. I gotta get it back. Yeah. That's um. That's one move, and it. I'm sure you know they don't have very big buildings. Uh, in Vegas, so I'm sure people win more times than they lose, right? That is true. People forget uh, the house the doesn't house, always win. <laughs> never wins. I think that's what they say in Vegas. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, well, one thing they say hmm. is that scared money don't make money, <laughs> and that's totally true because I am scared every time I. Although I just stay away from the tables now. Like I just take me in the sports books. I actually, I actually know some things about sports tables. They get me out of my element. Well, maybe you're the guy to bring to Vegas with me because we got a uh, shout out to the, the home office, Blue Wire and Wimbet Studios. We have the Blue Wire Studios in there. We could actually go and record in the studios in the hotel, stay at the place, uh, oh, do all that, do the big time stuff. We're Chris Long and Chris Carter. Me. Yeah. Shout out to my buddy, Chase. Mm. We went to Vegas for a, Not a me. different, yeah, different you or a different Chase. A different oh. me. Do I have like a... Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we went for a different uh, friend's bachelor party, March Madness, last year. I put down some money, futures on on uh, Georgia to win the national title. So, you know, still hoping to cash that ch- uh, ticket. He put uh, money on the Bravos, 14 to 1 to win the World Series. So, Did he really? Yeah. So he's. we're going to have to make another trip out to Vegas so he can uh, collect that. Oh, does that... He Does he have to go back to Vegas to get the money? Yeah. They don't just add it? They just didn't set up direct deposit or they don't mail you a check? I, I don't know of anyone who... I don't know any other way to do it. Like, there's, like... Obviously, there's apps and stuff you can gamble on. But, yeah, like, I think when they say, like, someone's got, like, a guy in Vegas, unless there's something, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm not a big gambler, so I could be wrong. But I think that just means, like, you know someone in Vegas that can, like, place your bets for you and, like, send your winnings to you, basically, you know? That's interesting. I did not. Uh, I did not know that. I've never been to Vegas, so um, it's a good time. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, all right, Matt Green. Well, I think we should start. There is this game this weekend here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh boy, it's a big game. It's a big game. Uh, Kirby's fearful. Uh, I'm reading between the lines. He's not feeling good about his Georgia Bulldogs. Could it be that he's just looked at the sports calendar in Athens and seen what the basketball team looks like, seen what the baseball team's going to look like, seen just how how morose <laughs> things are going to be around campus? I can guarantee you those have absolutely no factor in Kirby's logic. 
is he feeling the pressure from his son trying so hard to walk in his footsteps? He's becoming hey, an internet you sensation. Leave, you leave his son out of this, all right? <laughs> his son is doing some trolling now. He's a part of it. His son is uh, a part of this whole thing is now. It Arkansas? Well, who was it that? Yes, it was Arkansas. Arkansas said something about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a uh, that was good stuff. Little uh, little curbs. I don't know. I don't know what his name is. Is it Kirby Junior? No. I don't. I don't think it is. But I'm. Mm. I don't know either. You're the man to ask. I don't know Hypel's kids' names either. Actually. Um, yeah, I honestly feel like it'd be kind of weird if I knew it. That would be weird. It's like, uh, what's going on it's there? Well, it's just like mainstream knowledge. Right. Uh, I know a guy who knows a guy, and he, he knows the names. He knows yeah, their like names. Like Riley Curry or something. It's like people saw her, so it's not weird for me to know her name. True. True. Um, so this is what actually Kirby Smart said ahead of this game this week. Um, he said, quote, They've got a really good group of wideouts, referring to Tennessee. Extremely physical, big size, speed. They're really fast on tape. More at 11. This is some some groundbreaking stuff from Kirby here. Um, I'm glad I'm able to sit in on these press conferences. They seem awesome. Um, we know the players they're running past. Those are good football players they're running past and making explosive plays. They've made a lot of plays down the field. They would have had more of these earlier, but they overthrew. <laughs> He's not citing Joe Milton here, but he is absolutely talking about Joe Milton in the Pitt game in particular because Tennessee beats Pitt if Hendon Hooker plays that game. The amount of open touchdowns that he missed early in that one, um, even late, like we were still in that game till the very end, and Tennessee season looks extremely different too if uh, they win that one because of how Pitt's looked down the stretch. But um, either way, he said they've been hitting on all cylinders and they've been extremely explosive with what they've done i think kirby is preparing georgia fans um i've been banging this drum for weeks uh, a lot of people have gotten on it in recent weeks uh having watched every minute rewatched a lot of this uh, of tennessee football this year um i've been telling you on this very podcast matt that like this is an explosive dominant this is now an explosive dominant confident group of guys like they hooker is an absolute leader he does like he is so comfortable in this scheme now versus when he first got inserted in there um they're healthy out wide they're not healthy at running back which scares me a little bit but i also don't think you're going to be able to run the ball on georgia anyway so whether or not Tion evans can play doesn't really factor in uh whether or not georgia or tennessee can make that 20 is it 20 and a half point cover right now Yes, 20 okay. and a half. So I look at that. I think Kirby's focusing on the different things that I don't think are going to decide how close this game is. And that is, if I am Georgia, <sighs> A, I'm curious. I mean, our, I guess we're assuming Stetson's under center on Saturday, right? Like at this point, it's going to be more of a surprise if JT's back starting for, for the dogs until... Yeah, I wouldn't think there's any way that JT Daniels starts. Okay. Um, can I mean, we... from what they said last week, that last week seemed like the first week that they've admitted, like, JT Daniels is healthy enough to play and Stetson's still the starter. You know, maybe they're easing him back, but it seems like Stetson is the number one now. Okay. That's what I'm operating under. And, look, Stetson is not a game manager. He goes downfield. Like you said, the wideouts are getting healthy. Um, you're getting more and more options on the, in that department. You're going to be able to, to run on Tennessee. I think I'm curious what Monken decides to attack because I think where he should attack is the secondary. I think 
Tennessee's run defense and um, our front four are going to hold their own with Barron and Butler and company, but the back nine scares or the back four scares me. Um, Theo Jackson, Alante Taylor are awesome, but outside of that, like I would assume Monken's going to target Warren Burrell a lot. I'm going to assume they're going to find spots in the zone. I think uh, George is going to have to freelance a lot out wide, which helps them because Stetson loves to scramble and find guys on the move and guys breaking off the routes. And you know, you know what they're doing? Like they're finding little soft spots in the, in the coverage. Like they're finding little areas to, to plant and uh, catch the ball and do some yak stuff. So I'm curious how that all works, but I think Stetson's going to be able to throw on this group. Um, I think he is going to be able to move outside the pocket and that's where Tennessee's just gotten killed with Emory Jones. And when Matt Corral moved out of the pocket, that was where Tennessee was just getting killed is like, that's why they did not win those games. That's why they did not beat. I mean, in Bama, the, there's more to it, but when Bryce would scramble out on third and 10, when Emory Jones would scramble out on third and eight, when Matt Corral would scramble out on third and 14 and pick up the first downs, it was just these little backbreakers uh, for this defense because they have no qualms about uh, giving up yards. Um, they are going to give up 500, whatever they care about what happens when things get tight in the red zone. They care about, uh, being able to strip you once or twice in this game. Like, can they strip Stetson on a sack? Can they strip Zamir white or something? Kendall Milton, whoever can they get the B plus one in the turnover battle? Little things like that. Tim Banks is focused on the pick six that, uh, Alante Taylor had in this one. Like, they're looking for those little wins while also acknowledging they're going to give up 500 to 600 yards against Georgia. Now, is Stetson the guy to do that? No. Like, I think JT, if he is healthy, should start against this Tennessee team because I think they're they're limited in what they can do to give up the uh, to stop the big play. And JT Daniels is so good downfield that I just I don't really understand the line of thinking there. I think they're holding themselves back and they're holding themselves back from winning this game by a larger margin. I don't think Tennessee is going to win this football game. I think Tennessee will be up after the first quarter. That will shock me if Tennessee is not up for the first quarter. I think it's going to be interesting to see how many how many shots now. That'll, sh- that'll shock you if they're not winning at the end of the first quarter. Have you the perused the numbers? The yeah, I mean, have you perused the first quarter numbers and watched what hype pulled out? We scored on the very first play from scrimmage against Kentucky this past week. Um, hype just... That's also Kentucky. Like, who has a great that, defense. That opening play versus Kentucky is a, a one-yard gain against Georgia, the way they tackle in space. That's true. But that's what I'm curious about. Like, Georgia has never played a tempo like this. Um, Jordan Davis is going to get played off the field for stretches. That is something that I think is going to be interesting to monitor. Um, your guys, like, the quick stuff, the quick stuff to the side, like, the screens, like, the tackling will be critical Tennessee's tackling last week was atrocious. Like that was our, <laughs> that was the reason Kentucky was staying in that game outside of holding on every play. Um, Kentucky was egregious with their holds. That being said, Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. I hope Tennessee is holding the crap out of Jordan Davis and Carter and Wyatt <laughs> in this one. Like I hope that's, they're, yeah, that's, that's the part thing of is mm. like you said, Georgia does have to tackle well, but Georgia's like the best tackling team in college football. I think right. that's what separates Georgia from everyone else. I think Adam Anderson, I think you've heard about yeah, he's you know, gone going off Adam Anderson off the field. Like that's a huge loss to Georgia. Like just on top of him being the sack leader and how explosive he is uh, getting after the passer, 
Georgia just does so many different things defensively. Like you saw that interception uh, against Anthony Richardson against Florida. It's like you have a defensive tackle dropping in coverage and a pass rushing outside linebacker uh, intercepting the tip. It's like they just do so many things to disguise what they do defensively, and it's because everyone on the defense is so versatile and just such great athletes. I think Adam Anderson is one of the key was one of the keys to this defense on just getting after the passer, but also just being so good sideline to sideline because this defense is just so fast. Like we all, I feel like it's, I feel like, like this defense gets talked about. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't seem like they get talked about enough. Like they're, it's just un, it's insane what they're doing. It, they're they're talked about like you know it's Jordan Davis and they just stuff the run and everything. Like for one, they've given up 59 points this year, 6.6 points per game. Second in the country is Texas A&M. They've given up 132 points. Like that's over twice as many as Georgia's given up. And Georgia, on top of having the number two rush defense in the country, they have the number two pass defense in the country, and they're up big on everybody. So people are, and the only team that's better than them is Washington. And Washington is just because they're getting torched on the ground all the time. People don't have to pass on them. Like. I think this secondary is getting so slept on. Like, Darion Kendrick and Keely Ringo have been, like, studs at the corner positions. And because of how good the defensive line and linebackers have been, like, like I want to hype up Jordan Davis for, for Heisman, right? I want to get on the board, on the bandwagon. Like, he's the most dominant player in college football, you could argue. But I don't even know if he's the best player on Georgia's defense. Like, N'Kobe Dean might should even get some Heisman talk like this dude's a baller and he's the leader of the the defense and like you said he doesn't come out of the game like Jordan Davis does have to come out of the game because he's 6'6 340 pounds those guys just can't play every snap but the one thing I like Tennessee's offense is great but I I think what what you're sleeping on is just like I, you definitely said that Georgia's gonna score some points like don't get me wrong like I think Georgia's I think gonna Georgia's, score 50 yeah like Georgia's offense, I think is what is what also gets slept on. Like like Stetson Bennett is first in the SEC in pass efficiency, first in the SEC in yards per attempt. So he's not just like dinking and dunking. Wait, hold on. Is he? Is that true for the last month? I think that's the course of the I full mean, season because I think Hooker is in first season. for the last month. Yeah. Yeah, and in some places he doesn't have enough attempts to qualify, but I mean he's his numbers are there, mm. but. So I think this offense, like, it, it doesn't matter. I think they're so balanced. So it's like if Tennessee, like you saw with Missouri, like they're like the worst run defense in the SEC. They just stacked the box, and then Georgia was able, able to throw on them. Like, oh, you don't have to tell me about that. I don't know if you recall what Tennessee ten- did to Missouri. Not that Missouri's Mizzou. a good team, mm-hmm. but Tennessee's, Tennessee's defense has been uh, kind of similar to Missouri's. Like they're giving up like 28 points a game. I, that's what gets lost, I think, in the Kentucky game. Like it's a great win over a ranked team. And it's a building block win, but this is still a five and four team, and it's it's still it's still just Kentucky. Like Kentucky had six hundred yards of offense, like didn't punt in the game, like forty two points. Like Kentucky basically wasn't stopped the entire game. Mm-hmm. So, so it's it's tough to think, and and like that same Kentucky team scored thirteen points against Georgia, and they called timeouts to punch it in in the final minute. You know, so like I, I. I feel like Tennessee is definitely the best offense George, uh, Georgia's played, like without a doubt. I would like Auburn has a good offense. Tennessee's more explosive. It's not Arkansas, even the same conversation. I think Arkansas mm-hmm. gets a little slept on, uh, but they have a solid offense. I think they're averaging like 30, 32 a game or something. 
it's like those teams did nothing against Georgia. Arkansas had zero. Who was the other team I said? Auburn was 34 to 10 on the road. I, I just don't see Tennessee being better than Auburn currently. That's kind of the game I keep comparing it to. Like, I know you think, uh, you know, Tennessee's a lot more explosive and they're a different attack than Auburn, but as a on the whole, like, that game was 34 to 10. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think Auburn's got a much better defense than Tennessee. So mm-hmm. I see this being like a 45 14, Oof. 45 17 kind of game. Like, mm. I can see Tennessee scoring some points, and they might score more points than anyone has on Georgia all year. I just can't see them really moving the ball consistently enough. Like these these things they were doing against Kentucky, like having receivers have to get yards after the catch. I just I think that kind of thing just doesn't work against Georgia. That's fair. Is there one particular matchup that you're most fascinated by? Because my matchup to watch is so everything will come down. I shouldn't say everything. Something that I think will be important and imperative um, in this game is that like does hooker have the time to get something downfield to develop like that is something where it's just does tillman have time to break something open deep for them to do stuff or is it going to be everything is going to rely on the quick screens to velas or payton and then you're just praying that georgia misses some assignments and they're tackling and they're just yeah, not see, all the way think- there I think the first thing you said, I think that's what it's going to take. It's going to take like taking shots and, you know, winning those one-on-one, winning some jump balls, you know, just throwing, making good throws. Cause Hendon Hooker would be what, what would worry me the most. Because mm-hmm. when you look at a KJ Jefferson, an Emory Jones, it's like those guys, they're, they're dual threats, but they're just so limited at what they can do passing the ball. Like they never actually scared Georgia with their arm. And that's the one thing Hendon Hooker, like, like he can keep plays alive. I'm sure he's going to may have some scrambles, but like Tennessee can't live on Hendon Hooker's running being the most successful plays. You know, that's just not going to be enough. So I, but I think Hendon Hooker keeping plays alive and then finding guys open downfield. I think if there's one, if there's a biggest concern you have as a Georgia fan, I think, I think that would have to be it. Yeah, and, and the receivers. The receivers have made plays. So the receivers, you know, potentially winning some one-on-one matchups. I think that's probably Tennessee's best shot. And I think they're just going to hit at least one or two of those. And that is my thing. Is I think they're going to hit a couple. And I think they're going to be early. I think they're going to do it early. Um, I think Georgia will come out with um, adjustments in the second half, and a lot of this will go away. But I don't like Georgia. Like. I forgot who it was who talked about... Oh, I think it was Saban, actually, who said you can't practice for this tempo. Like, you can't prep. Like, you just have to experience it, and then players adjust. And Georgia has not experienced anything like this yet. So I just think they're going to think that they can just play Tennessee like they're Kentucky, and it's not going to go that way early. Um, I think Kirby's well, been you know, preaching it all week. approach Tennessee like they're Kentucky. Like, you know they're better than... You know the offense is, is more dynamic. No, I'm I, I'm not disagreeing with that. But what I'm saying is that like they're looking at it in terms of oh they want to play tempo. They're not playing tempo against us. Like we're we're Georgia. We're the best defense in college football. Here's the problem with that: Georgia is not going to be able to slow down this tempo. Like Tennessee can be down twenty-eight to seven early, and they're going to keep playing with tempo, and it's going to exhaust 
these uh, Georgia defenders. Like it's just it's going to happen. See, like but you have to you have to be moving the ball to play with tempo though. And know? they're not going to go three and out over and over again. And that's the other thing. It's like Georgia or Tennessee is not a they want to score quickly, so they're not going to be trying to move the ball. They're not going to dink and dunk like Kentucky and every other dumb team plays Georgia. Like that was part of the reason Alabama was in over their head. It's like you can't play Alabama like that unless you have the bodies to do that. And the reason Texas A&M was able to withstand that is that they recruited at top five level, so they've been able they had the bodies to play that way against Alabama. Tennessee did not, so they play with this tempo, and it just amazes amazes these announcers every week where they complain. And Kirk Morrison was he was atrocious on a on another level last weekend and did no prep on this one. But um, yeah, I just I uh, I think Tennessee's going to at least get a couple, and I could be wrong. I, my final score prediction is fifty two to thirty. 52 to 30. So mm-hmm. that means you're taking Georgia as well, the 20 and a half. I am. Oh, man. It that's sounds dis- high. That's but, disappointing. I thought for sure you're going to pick Tennessee. But, but I think Tennessee will be up late and you're, people are going to be like, what is happening? Like, I don't, and then it's just going to be up late and lose by three touchdowns. I'm saying in the third quarter. Like, it, it's going to be like Georgia and Tennessee will be locked and just killing each other for 45 minutes and then i'm telling you tennessee's gonna go for it and they're on 30 or something and then georgia gets a garbage touchdown and then suddenly it, it goes from like a two score game to a four score game in a matter of moments so the score will be um it will not match how the game went the thing i worry about with tennessee mm-hmm. they average 70 plays a game on offense mm-hmm. like that's that's all that's that's great i know you're all about the plays mm-hmm. they allow opponents average 79.6 plays against them Mm -hmm. like it's almost 80 plays a game i just think they put their defense in such a bad spot just going as fast as they do and especially like they're gonna have some three and outs against this georgia defense for sure because like that's just this defense is dominant they're gonna get some stops you know maybe maybe they're gonna get a lot of stops yeah but this georgia offense also averages 62 plays a game you know it's not like it's not like they're not uh, doing a lot offensively. And I so I think Georgia, I think, just has the ability to potentially just dictate the way this game is played mm. and how Kentucky was just sustaining drives. I think Georgia's going to get way more stops than Kentucky. And so it's just, I think it's going to get out of hand. I think it'll be a game for a couple quarters, like you kind of like you said. But I think ultimately, I think Georgia's just going to be too much. One thing, last thing I'll say, verse... Florida, Alabama, and Ole Miss, Tennessee averaged 21 points per game. Mm. Those three teams allow 24, average 24 points per game between the three of them. So Georgia allows 6.6 points per game. So to think they're going to score 30 on this Georgia defense, I don't know. I don't see. Well, I don't happens. think all thirty will be the offense. I think Georgia. Remember how last year started with the ball over the head. I think there's going to be at least like a fumble, um, pick six, something like that. Um, Stetson's going to do something stupid. Would be my guess. He's going to throw the ball away. He's going to fumble. He's going to do something that results in a Tennessee touchdown. Would be my guess That's right now. The other thing, I feel like people, I feel like people just hate Stetson Bennett. Is what it comes down to. And so <laughs> as long as Stetson Bennett is the quarterback at Georgia, people are going to question how good is Georgia really. Like. He's not an NFL quarterback, you know, but like that doesn't mean he hasn't been super solid. Like, well, no, the problem is we've seen what JT is, and JT's even shown at Georgia that he is the much better option. See, but I think what you're, I think in 2020, I think 
people are just they see four star and five star prospects and they're like no oh, it's not even guys, that just watch the game like jt is incredible downfield from... like he's the more upside like he can win you a national title stats and can't Bennett is completing like 66 percent of his passes like he's hitting a lot of deep throws but it's mm-hmm. like people just like how it looks better with with jt daniels mm-hmm. it's like he's been successful and he also brings the running element which i feel like that's a very important aspect of especially because george's offensive line's not great this year Exactly. I think it has been suspect at times. So, like, there was multiple plays the last couple games that JT Daniels has made that – or that Stetson Bennett has made that JT Daniels could never dream of making. Like, there's mm. a seven-yard loss for a sack. So, I think um, I think people do still sleep on Stetson Bennett. He's not great, but um, he's been super solid. And I think George is just so loaded offensively and defensively that that's all they really need is a guy who just can keep the thing on track. You know what? I can't do this to my balls. Give me the balls to cover. <laughs> so what's your score prediction now? Hmm. 52-37. 52 th- 37 Oh, man. At least go the other way, like a 41-24. I don't know. I mean, there's still an 8% chance Tennessee just wins this game outright. Yeah, there is. There is a chance. This is, um, I'm a warrior as a Georgia fan and just traditionally, and I've been worried about very few games this season. I would say this Tennessee game is probably the game I've worried the most about. Auburn and Tennessee, that's the ultimate thing it comes down to, just the two road games. And I just, I don't think Tennessee's better than Auburn, so I don't feel like they can beat Georgia. That's fair. That's fair. Where are we going next? Uh, next, we're uh, we're sticking with the SEC. This is our this is America's game of the week. You know, mm-hmm. not not the Pods game of the week, but um, we're going college game day. We got Texas A and M and oh shoot, Texas A M and Ole Miss. What are your thoughts on this one? Ole Miss is a uh, two and a half point home dog. A lot of respect for A and M now. Um, Old Miss beating Liberty the way they did doesn't change my perspective on them. And Tennessee really should have beaten Old Miss. I, I think AM's just a, a different team right now. And this is a battle for a New Year Six Bowl because I think whoever wins this is going to a New Year Six. So this is a gigantic game for both programs. Um, I don't know if the noise with Jimbo and LSU matters at all in this one. But um, yeah, no, I think uh, this should be a dominant performance from Jimbo. So I think... Uh, I think uh, the Aggies win and they cover handedly. Dominant performance. Yeah, I think they win. I th- I'll give me the Aggies twenty-seven ten. Not so fast, my friend. Oh as no! The Great League Corso would say. <laughs> Texas A&M has played one road game this year at Missouri. I guess if you include, I don't know, you can include Mile High Stadium or whatever. That's not even really a road game. Well, it was in Dallas, wasn't it? No, the, the that Arkansas was, game. Uh, Oh, that was a neutral site. No, I'm talking about Colorado. Oh, uh, right, yeah. It was in Denver or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, they played Missouri on the road this year, true road game. So this is the first like true hostile environment they're going to face. No disrespect to, to what do they call it, Como, uh, <laughs> Columbia, Missouri. But Do they call it that? Yeah, I think because Columbia, Missouri, Como, I think, that's what, I think I've heard them call it that. Mm. It's a great Field. one. Um, yeah. Hey, you got to work with what you got. <laughs> um, but, uh, 
But uh, Missouri is the only team Ticks and M has played on the road this year. Like, I just, I think there's something to, like, we're all, like, we're all drinking the Texas A&M Kool-Aid right now. But, like, this Ole Miss team, they're first in the SEC in sacks, first in the, or second in the SEC in rushing yards per game. Like, they're at home, 7 o'clock game. Like, I just don't see them slowing down this Ole Miss offense. Like, like this Texas A&M defense is tough. Like, don't get me wrong. But at home, I think... Offenses just have a whole another level of mojo. Like, I don't know. I, I I don't trust Zach Calzada. Like he's he's shown huge improvements this year, but to go on the road at Ole Miss, like I think this is a this is going to be an atmosphere that he's never played in. Like you know, Kyle Field is great, but they're cheering for you in all those games. Like this is going to be this atmosphere. I think is going to account for a lot of it. And I think, I think Texas A&M is probably still the better team on a neutral site, but I'm taking Ole Miss to win this one. Oh, wow. Outright. Oh, wow. We disagree. All right. Keeping it moving. Uh, our noon game on ABC seems like it should have been a big noon game, but, mm. uh, but it's not, it's not the big noon game. Um, we got Michigan and Penn state. This is a pick em in happy Valley. I went back and forth on this one, to be honest. Like, I think Michigan is a better team, but like Penn State just has a way of playing with everyone, right? Like they just, they just have a way of staying in games. And I think like I'm kind of leaning kind of my same logic with the old Miss A&M game. Like I, I would on a neutral field, I would probably take Michigan, but I don't know. In Happy Valley, I, I'm taking Penn State. Oh wow. Um. I've gone back and forth on this one, just like yourself. Uh, this is one of the more difficult ones um, to figure out for sure. I, uh, man, um, Clifford hasn't been right for weeks. Uh, this is the tail end. This is the big, the last big game on the calendar for him, uh, probably in his Nittany Lion career. But <sighs> Michigan is just, they're so solid. And we, we mentioned at the top of the show, the Michigan State aspect of this and them jumping them but like having watched that entire game and watched a lot of Michigan this year they're good and this is a very very different group um this is a team that runs the ball well their defense is dominant and the one area where <sighs> Penn State is uh elite and has the edge over Michigan is their pass defense the problem is Michigan has a two-headed monster at running back and they're more than happy to win the game that way and I think there are more ways and more paths to Michigan victory here. And I think this is a huge game for Harbaugh to continue on. It's like you need road wins against top 25 teams in your conference to continue instilling that you're, you've got this thing going the right direction. So give me Michigan to, to win and cover. Penn State cannot run the football. And I think if you put too much on Sean Clifford here, I think Michigan is going to force some turnovers and do some stuff to to take care of the the Nittany Lions on the road. 117th run offense. Saquon Barkley not walking through that door in uh, Happy Valley. So give me give me the Wolverines. Over-unders at 48 and a half. Mm. I'd say take the under. I would say take the under as well. Um, keeping it moving. Uh, this is the big noon kickoff on Saturday uh, on Fox. Oklahoma goes to Waco. The uh, Bears, Baylor Bears, are a five and a half point home dog. Hmm. You, you know what that means, sir. What does that mean? That means it's time for the home dog. Oh, no. Oh, no. 
I had to, uh, you know, I had to run this one by Tori first. Because Did you? Of ba- because of Baylor's history. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, with dogs mm-hmm. and off the field discretions. You know, mm-hmm. she's not a Baylor fan. So I, right. if I'm going to put Zeus's name on this, you know, I had to get permission first. I thought you would go to Zeus first with him actually being uh, the name in, involved here. But you went to, to the mom. That's true. I should that that's disrespectful towards Zeus. I should have let him give the go ahead. I know, like um, he's listening to the pod. Like, why you went to Tori first? I thought this was a you and I type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like Oklahoma has played everyone close this year. Like, in you know, part of it, like we want to say, oh well, they you know they didn't take Kansas seriously. Like, oh you know they were, you know, they're, they're, when they it's a big game, they'll get up for it. You know, but mm-hmm. they just continue. Like Texas was a big game. And Texas jumped all over them. They ended up being able to pull it, pull it out. But like, they've they've messed around with everyone they've played this year. And Baylor's the best team they've played. Like, the only two road games they've played so far at Kansas, at Kansas State, they almost lost both of them. And neither of those teams are good. Like, I think Baylor is actually a good team, despite what they showed at uh, at TCU last week. But you know, that could have been a trap game. Looking ahead to this big uh, game against Oklahoma. I was struggling with this one and if I was going to do it or not, and I'm going for it. I'm taking Baylor to cover, and I'm taking Baylor to win outright. Upsetting the Sooners this week. I like it. I like it. Um, But I disagree. Um, I found in the notes that um, the last time these two teams played, uh, Baylor was up 28-3 to at the half before they imploded on uh, November 16, 2019 and lost to the Sooners. Um, Who could blow a 28-3 to lead? Who would ever? Not an Atlanta sports team. That's true. That's true. Um, Baylor's forced a turnover in 17 consecutive games. Kind of bonkers. OU with Caleb Williams is a different looking group. Um, I understand they're still doing some clunky stuff, but I I think Oklahoma is going to get tripped up this year. I think it's Bedlam. I don't think it is the Baylor Bears so give me the Baylor or give me uh the Oklahoma Sooners to win and cover I think they actually might blow them out I having watched a bunch of that Baylor TCU game last week Chandler Morris just put on a clinic and I'm not a big Gary Bohannon guy I think he's kind of limited in what he can do and he stares down guys and that game ending interception just staring down that TCU player um secondary got torch Quentin Johnson's a good good wide out for for the Horn Frogs but um not as good as what Oklahoma is going to be trotting out there. So I think Oklahoma is going to have a lot of, a lot of opportunities to have some big plays in this one. And I think explosive plays is the MO for, for Mr. Lincoln Riley. So give me the Sooners to win and cover. All right. Put it on the board. Uh, keeping it moving. Uh, another noon kickoff. We got Mississippi state going to the plains to face the Auburn tigers. Auburn is a five and a half point favorite at home. I'll be honest. This is the kind of game that I've missed like every time it's come up. Like it, I I feel like this is the epitome of like the, who was it? North Carolina, Virginia tech early in the season, you know, like Auburn is better than Mississippi state. Like, so I can't pick against Auburn. Like I'm just, I think Mississippi state is so just kind of, I don't know, like as much as their pass offense gets, gets hyped up. I don't even feel like their pass offense is that good. Like, it's just kind of, yeah, of course you're going to throw it for a lot of yards. You throw it like 70 times a game. Like, you, 
that's the only option. But they're just not a very efficient attack. Like, this just feels like the kind of game Mississippi State's going to come in and win like 31 to 10 or some shit. And everyone's just going to be shocked because Auburn just came out like, like sleepwalking. Like, I'm I'm not picking Mississippi State, but it just feels like the kind of game where something bonkers is going to happen. But I feel like I have to take Auburn because they've just been better in all facets than Mississippi State this year. So I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. Hmm. But I'm taking Auburn to win and cover. I'm also taking Auburn to win. What What is the line again, though? Five and a half. <sighs> So like my logic in the past with games like this, even though I don't believe in the team, I'm like, surely they're better than Mississippi State, right? So I'm just going to take them, but I'll probably be wrong. So we'll see. Will Rogers can complete all the passes he wants, but there is something to be said about Auburn's strength, especially on defense, which is their, their secondary. They're loaded there. And I think the fact that that is the matchup to watch is Will Rogers against the secondary. I am taking... Uh, I am taking Auburn in their secondary in this one. I can see this being like mistake Kentucky from from last year. So give me Auburn to win and cover. All right, and keeping it moving uh, to the AAC. Mm. We got UCF at SMU. Mustangs are a seven and a half point home favorite. A little a uh, little history here for you. Mm-hmm. UCF is eight and one all time versus SMU. That includes 4-0 since they joined the AAC. I feel like every time I've cited one of these stats this year, it has ended. So <laughs> for that reason, and SMU is just a better team this year. So I feel like they just, they, they want this. They, they need to prove they're better than UCF in the AAC totem pole. Give them a little, uh, a little kick on the way out of the conference. So, um... Tanner Mordecai, second in the country in passing touchdowns this year. I'm uh, I'm taking uh, I'm taking SMU to win and cover. Hmm. Okay. Whew. Okay. Um. Hmm. The thing about SMU right now is weird. I mean, they're they've fallen off in recent weeks. Um. I they're they're quietly sliding, but Sunny Dykes is still the favorite for the TCU job. Um. I saw Dennis Dodd. Uh, said that that was the best fit and also the most likely destination. He has an extension sitting um, sitting on his desk apparently that he has not signed yet uh, with the Mustangs. That's a that's an awkward move, right? Mm-hmm. Does he does he have to move? <laughs> that's true. Can, he really doesn't. Can he just live in the same house and and just I don't know. That's kind of bizarre. I've never heard of I've never heard of that once happening. I also don't know if I would love that if I'm a TCU fan. Like, I'm not sure. I think Dykes is good. I don't know if I want to hitch my wagon to Sunny Dykes on a big scale. Like, I guess it depends on what your expectations are for him as a program builder. Um, I think he does great work at smaller locations. I don't know if he's the top-end guy that the boosters in Dallas and what those Horn Frog fans really ultimately want. I don't know. I think TCU could also do a little bit better than Sunny Dykes, but we'll... We'll have to see. Um, all that being said, Gus Malzahn, remember before the season? And I have receipts. The people are like, <laughs> oh, they they upgraded. Malzahn uh, over Hypel. Are you kidding? Are you, are you kidding? Hypel trending down every year at UCF. Um, Dylan Gabriel, one year removed from uh, Josh Hypel. It's not looking great. Uh, Gus Malzahn, a tradition unlike any other, destroys the quarterback room. Like, it just... 
what did y'all think was going to happen with UCF? This offense went in the toilet. Like this was going to happen for whatever reason. The the Gus Malzahn offensive issues carried over to Orlando, and this is not fun. They're not a fun UCF anymore. Um, this is, I think, going the wrong way. Uh, I think he'll probably recruit better than Hypo and Frost, but um, and O'Leary back in the day, but. I don't know. I think quietly this has been a, a huge letdown for year one of Malzahn and UCF where people were like, oh, with those players and everything else, you just plug him in. Uh, this is going to be great. UCF should be the favorite in the AAC. What an upgrade. Tennessee fans wanted Malzahn over Heupel. People are questioning, why is Malzahn not getting a look here? Um, it's because Heupel's a better let, football coach in 2021 than Gus Malzahn. Let's, and, let's not <laughs> let's not be too quick to pull those receipts. All right, mm-hmm. like UCF, there's there's six and three. Like not a good six and three competition. Like it's worse competition than Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Tennessee's five and four right now. Kind they of need to be five and five after this week. So I I agree. I agree with you because I was one of those people for sure saying Gus Malzahn was like maybe the best hire of the off season. You potentially upgraded when your coach left. Uh, uh, left for another school they scored 14 I points on Tulane last week yeah like i'm willing to admit that like that's probably i'm probably wrong on that they lost like, to navy like, this year navy's awful no no that's fair i'm just saying let's not anoint josh heupel just yet we got we got five and four right now it's year one but let's just let's pump the brakes i will do no such thing heupel mania is here to stay sir like if they lose to georgia likely seven and five maybe maybe win the bowl game eight and five that's incredible build him a statue with how much we lost (laughs) in the portal like i am okay with giving him a statue if you finish eight and like i would have that's a little egregious but if it was like eight if that pit is a victory and you're looking at like nine and four at the end of this year oh my goodness or the old miss game goes differently down the stretch like hmm Nine and four with the the turnover with everyone leaving in the that transfer Alabama portal game. You know, if those last four offensive drives for Alabama goes different, you know, <laughs> the baby. It's like, did you hear Tebow when he was defending Dan Mullen last week? Mm-mm. He's like, that's his you guy. Know that you know that Alabama game. That's one play away from going to <laughs> overtime. And Kentucky, you know, that's one play. That's the 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 blocked uh, the blocked field goal. Like, LSU is like four or five plays, you know? It's like, yeah, four or five plays are what decide, like, every football game ever. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know. It just it sounded so funny. Like, we were, you know, we were like six or seven plays away from winning that game. It's like, yeah, you weren't that close. Well, to be fair, are you expecting Tim Tebow to go against his dude? Like, Dan Mullins, this guy. Hey, he's a member of the media, man. He's got to be unbiased. We know the media is, is only filled with unbiased people. Something tells me you would not... Uh take off your bias hat when covering the Georgia Bulldogs on a SEC well, no, Nation I mean, broadcast. I would be as professional as possible. It's not mm-hmm. my fault that Kirby Smart just, you know, he's just doing everything right. You know, he just gives nothing to criticize. I'm... <laughs> I, I, I can't. I, I can't. No, I might Kirby's doing it. a great job. There's mm-hmm. obviously room for things to improve. But um, mm-hmm. Tebow's supposed to be more professional than, than me or you, though, right? Yes. The former quarterback of the Florida Gators should be more professional when talking about the offensive coordinator during his time there who led him to a Heisman and national title. Hey, he's getting paid the big bucks, all right? He's His standard is, is higher than the one set for, for you and I. If you say so, but we went to J school. He did not. 
Hey, you know, I'm sure he went to. Uh, he was a graduate from the University of Florida, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what he. I don't know what his degree was in. I'm curious now. I wonder what Tebow got a degree in. Religious well, studies. Uh, yeah, I could. I could see something like that. Mm-hmm. Something with global helping people feed hungry children. If that's a major, I'm sure it's something like that. What if it was biochem? Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get back to that. See I want it to be something yeah. preposterous now. Like I really want it to be something out there. Um, where are we going next, man? All right, keeping it moving. Um, wait, so we're both locked in. You took uh, you took SMU or UCF? Uh, SMU. SMU. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, keeping it moving to the wild, wild Big Ten West, mm. as we alluded to earlier. Right. Minnesota goes on the road at Iowa. Iowa is a six-point favorite. Hmm. And I'll be honest, I just can't can't see Iowa beating anybody by six points. Like I just like I I feel like Minnesota is like I feel like they're playing better football right now. Like like last week, you know, they were just blindsided. Uh, was Illinois upset them last week? My, uh, Illinois upset who? Minnesota. Yes. Is that the right one? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, just blindsided last week. I feel like Minnesota's better, but on the road, I'm going to take Minnesota against the spread, but I'm going to take Iowa to win. Mm. Back-to-back, like Minnesota, I mean, Flex got the extension, and then he proceeds to immediately vomit all over himself in that one. But the Gophers are they're solid. Um, they're solid. Also, we should bear in mind here that Spencer Petras is not going to go for for the Hawkeyes in this one. So they're going to be turning to Alex Padilla, uh, the backup. Um, Deuce Hogan is listed as the second guy. Uh, Deuce Hogan is my favorite college quarterback name. Um, but yeah, he's blonde kid. Uh, Deuce Hogan. It's great. Not related to the wrestler, but looks like he absolutely could be. Um, here's what Ferentz said about Padilla starting on Saturday. Quote, and there's no way to learn. Better way to learn than being thrown into a game. That's how you learn. It's like driving a car in some ways. At some point, you have to get on the highway or drive in the city. That is the least reassuring thing I've ever heard about a new quarterback being uh, inserted into your starting lineup against a, a good football team in Minnesota. Um, give me the Gophers because Iowa has not looked like a good football team for... We're nearing a month now of this. So give me the Gophers to win and cover. Golden Gophers. To just defend that analogy, though, mm-hmm. the first time you got on the highway, did you wreck the car? No. So it's like it may have been nerve wracking. That's what I'm saying. It's nerve wracking. Fire, and mm-hmm. then you're good. You know, you're like, okay, this isn't as hard as I thought. I'm like, we're good. So you know, right? There might be some validity to that analogy. I just wouldn't put that out publicly. I'd be like, he's ready. He's never been more ready for uh, this moment in his life it's like well he's probably gonna be bad <laughs> i have as much confidence in him as i do a 15 year old driver on the highway exactly <laughs> um all right keeping it moving um the once great rivalry who that just no one cares about this game it's been mm. how long has it been since anyone cared about this game um miami at fsu florida state's at home they're a two and a half point home dog I just like I feel like Florida State was was trending in the right direction. I feel like I, I just I feel like I like where this Miami team is going. Like since since uh Tyler Van Dyke took over, I just feel like you know they have two wins over ranked over teams that are currently ranked. 
almost almost stumbled to Georgia Tech last week, but I feel like Miami's moving in the right direction. Um, 15 touchdowns, four picks on the year for Van Dyke. So I don't think there's much home crowd to really worry about at Doak Campbell Stadium these days. So I, I like Miami. Although this one, this they might have a crowd for this one. Um, I like Miami to go on the road and get the win and cover. Tyler Van Dyke can spin it, man. Watch his tape and this dude... He has no fear whatsoever about launching it downfield. He is uh he he is not not afraid whatsoever about doing so. Um he's a lot of fun to watch. It's kind of amazing because I don't think any of us had that going into the season that Derek King, who a lot of us had on our Heisman ballots, um, for it to go this way. And Van Dyke well, he's got a cannon like that dude can force it and he believes he can hit every throw that is a guy who believes every throw is possible um and he's a he's a gunner and he's fun i think the reason that this game also doesn't feel as special is because they don't open the season with this anymore like this is a grind my gear segment but this was something to look forward to to kick off a, a new football season was uh was this game early 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 like opening weekend like let's bring that back what are we doing why is this game happening in mid-november that's so true it's um that does grind my gears i'm uh, i'm right there with you on that one just do it these are like the obvious things of like why are we doing this why is this not on monday night to kick off the year sunday night whatever like this move this back what are we doing um but all that being said i think miami's turned the corner a little bit and i think FSU has two in some degree. I think this will be a pretty close one, but uh, give me the Canes to win and cover. Also, um, side note, mm-hmm. is this is this the worst year for preseason Heisman odds of all time? Ooh. Who were? Do you have it in front of me? Like, I was trying to pull it up like to get like a good list in front of me. Um, but just like just off the top of my head, okay, I found one. Like this I don't know where this is from. It's just an article from CBS Sports uh, back in August. Whatever they're citing, top candidates, Spencer Rattler won, DJ Uyunglele two, mm. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud three and four, JT Daniels at five. Wow. Sam Howell at six, Derek King <laughs> at seven. Like Keaton Slovis, I don't even know what Keaton Slovis is doing this year. Like... Like you, you talk about what is that? One, two, three, four. Like five of the top seven just being just completely irrelevant. Like three, three of those guys not even starting. Like it's just kind of absurd. Like I've never seen a season where people were just so wrong about who the who the Heisman favorites were going to be. Especially these last couple years. Like Joe Burrow came out of nowhere, but like these last couple years, it's it's we've had just such established like stars in college football. It's it's we've had a lot of chalk. I also don't even know who the favorite is. Who is the favorite right now? I mean, is it still Kenneth Walker? I feel like that's kind of I gone don't away feel too. Like Kenneth Walker, like he has the Heisman stats for sure. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm so off the Matt Corral Heisman. Heisman yeah, you know, like, like Bryce Young. Honestly, he, he doesn't feel like the Heisman, mm-hmm. right? Like he he almost feel like he was an, he was anointed the Heisman mm-hmm. before the season started, and then. These other guys just screwed up big time, and he didn't screw up. He's and, and don't get me wrong, Bryce Young is a baller. Like he's he's done some things at times. They were just like, wow, this dude is is just sick, you know. Like 
I've been way more impressed like Bryce Young than like CJ Stroud or someone like CJ Stroud's not even the best player on his team like a couple of the wide receiver the running back like they're there's multiple guys better than him so I don't know man I'm I like pushing for Jordan Davis dude's dominant what do you know who my pick would be Davis for the Heisman I think I'd go Sam Hartman no they're number I'm three in scoring offense Sam Hartman up hmm? Tori um Tori we were, t- we're talking Wake Forest next but uh Tori said she she listened to the pod. She looked up Sam Hartman. <laughs> <laughs> he was an excellent looking looking gentleman. So, so your your lady has good taste as well. You reminded me of a of a rugged Chase Thomas, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Okay, so <laughs> does is Sam Hartman Mr. Steal Your Girl? Like, if we cannot bring uh bring our women around uh, a Wake Forest football game. Yeah, no wins, no games in Winston Salem this year. That's funny. So they had the same taste. There you go. Um, there you go. Sam Hartman. So she's li- she's a frequent listener of the pod. Oh yeah, I gotta listen to the pod. I like it. I like it. Yeah, she supports it. But um, yeah. So keeping that that nice segue there. That's funny. I'm now. I pulled up some pictures of Sam Hartman. He's. You know who he looks like? <laughs> Who's that? He looks like the the ultimate version of like a Jake Fromm. Like he looks like spruced up Jake Fromm. <laughs> spruced up Jake Fromm. Like if Jake Fromm didn't have like a receding hairline yes. by his junior year of college. If you gave Jake Fromm Matt Corral's hair, that's Sam Hartman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this conversation took an interesting turn. Um, well, on that note, 7.30 on the ACC Network, we got NC State going at Wake Forest. This is a tough one for me. This is one a few weeks ago. I think I would have penciled in a loss uh, for Wake Forest, but now, now I th- I think I'm buying this offense. Like I think I'm, especially at home. Like I know this isn't like a huge home crowd or anything, but I like Wake Forest to bounce back and uh, and get the win. We disagree again, sir. NC State, I think, yeah. is the best team in the ACC. Um, Devin Ooh. Leary's turn the page i think dave doran has built this really really solid group uh on both sides of the ball tim beck's been good for this group offensively uh calling plays i i like the cincy state team i'm comfortable with them right now um it's a shame they lost some games they shouldn't have early this season they beat clemson uh which feels like ages ago um but that was a huge win um that was a crazy game that's like a top five college football game this year but um no, give me the pack. I think this is going to be uh, unfortunate, but I think the slide is coming. Them, I think the the Demon Deacons are coming back down to earth a little bit here. Yeah, I think there's definitely some truth to that. I think this is um, this is basically the uh, the ACC Atlantic Championship right here. Like, I think not not in such simple terms, just because the ACC is just the most unpredictable conference ever for the most part like you just have no idea who these teams what these teams are going to do week week to week but you know i would think if uh if wake forest wins i think they might can clinch the coastal if i'm not mistaking or mm. the atlantic i should say they're five and zero oh in the conference and nc states at four and one but i'm telling you clemson at five and two they are not eliminated just yet so and they still have to play wake forest so don't don't sleep on the tigers but I will lock you in for the Wolf Pack. And um, keeping it moving in an ACC-ish game, um, Notre Dame at Virginia. And Virginia is a five-and-a-half-point home dog. This mm. is a 7.30 ABC game. 
Is it really? Um, I don't. I don't like that at all. Why is Michigan Penn State not the 7:30 ABC game? Like that's just that's what I'm used to. Well, I'll, can I answer this question for you? Yeah, what's that? Uh, Brennan Armstrong is top five uh, watchability in college football, but the issue is he might not play. Like Bron- Bronco Mendenhall is operating on the assumption that he will play. Uh, I think it's a rib issue for him. So, people who have not watched the six and three Cavs this year. They are. This is not your your traditional Bronco Mendenhall offense. This is not the the Bronco Mendenhall that you saw years ago in uh, in uh, Provo. This is a totally different group. Um, I think he has a new OC this year, but they are spinning it, Matt Green. They were in a shootout against uh, Tech last week, I think. Um, but Brennan Armstrong, the lefty, the southpaw. So he's already got my heart there. Uh, shout out to all our southpaws out there. Um, he has 3,557 passing yards, which is second in all of FBS. Virginia is averaging 545 yards of offense per game this season. That is the most in the country. Bronco Mendenhall coach team, the Cavs, number one. This is going to be a really, really fun game to watch because... Notre Dame's defense is great, and Marcus Freeman's going to have his hands full um, containing this Virginia offense, which is a weird thing to say in 2021, but I don't know. I'm fascinated by this. Virginia can win this football game. Well, they definitely can, um, especially being at home. I just, like, Notre Dame doesn't have, like, you know, a great offense or anything, but this uh, this Virginia defense has just been kind of terrible it's a sieve yeah like yeah like the three losses this year do you know how many points they've averaged allowing in their three losses Mm. 54 points a game in their three losses and that doesn't even that doesn't even include a you know 34 33 over louisville a 40 a 45 40 or 48 40 versus georgia tech like even Notre Dame, I think, can score some points on this Virginia team. So that's why I'm going to take uh, Notre Dame to win and cover. Okay. I'm okay with that. You're taking Virginia to win outright, right? I am. Get, I, give me the upset of the weekend. Give me the. This is my home dog of the week. No offense to Zeus. If Brendan Armstrong plays, I think. I don't. This Notre Dame offense is not good. They have not figured it out yet. They're beat up. Um, give me. The Cavs. Give me the Who's. I think this is a storm the field situation late on a Saturday. Mm, I don't hate that. Um, and then finishing it up in the Mountain West, we got the Wolf Pack. Your Nevada Wolf Pack. That's right. Uh, they are two and a half point underdog on the road at San Diego State, also known as the uh, Southwest Georgia Bulldogs Light. Mm. Uh, on this podcast mm-hmm. um san diego state i just like the way they run the ball mm-hmm. dominate with defense this is going to be some contrasting styles here and uh you know it's going to make for a great fight styles make fights i think is the saying <laughs> and, um i'm going with the i'm going with the aztecs you're going with the aztecs okay i figured you would um the aztecs have turned the ball over 11 times total this year it's pretty good it's pretty good um the Wolfpack have forced 19 on the year. I think this is one of those games where we're going to know pretty early on if 
Nevada or uh, San Diego State's going to come out on, on top here because Nevada wants this to be a shootout. San Diego State has no no plans to engage in a shootout with their quarterback play. It's, it's subpar. Part of the reason they run the ball a lot, Matt Green, is because they don't have a quarterback who can go downfield whatsoever. Um, Carson Strong is a dude. Folks, if you've not enjoyed the Jay Norvell Carson Strong experience out there uh, in Nevada, please do so because it looks like Jay Norvell is going to be the next coach at Washington State. Um, so enjoy it while you can. Uh, I don't, I can't confirm that, but have heard that that is strong possibility. Um, so enjoy it while you can. Enjoy this Mountain West action while you can. So I am going to go. Nevada, because I think there's more likely an opportunity for Nevada to get in a shootout here, and I don't think San Diego State can compete under those circumstances. Give me the Wolfpack, Carson Strong. All right, man. Well, uh, we'll lock it in. We got a bunch of disagreements on the pod this week. I think, um, honestly, you started to pick Georgia, and you ended up not picking them. I think Auburn and SMU, I think those are the only games – uh, we agreed on this week, so we could see another uh, another crazy shift in the standings. Well, it feels wrong, like the the, the Tennessee thing. I I can't do that to my guys. I can't I can't do that to them. I just need to to go through it, even if it costs me a little bit. I am willing to do that for for my volunteers for Hinden Hooker. Where look, um, people are talking uh, in Knoxville. People are nervous. We got an email from. Uh, school president uh, Donde Plowman this week that uh, she was worried about she's calling it the red scare um, where there's been some concern that there's going to be too many Georgia fans in attendance uh, Tennessee has not uh, has not scooped up enough tickets so she's I worried there was tickets on sale this week I'm joking there that's fine it's going to be all orange and white with a little bit of red sprinkled in that was a callback to that, to, to that was just a whole big joke that, you're mm-hmm. making? that was oh, yeah. I thought you were being serious no I was doing a bit <laughs> fair enough see i i don't hate on taking tennessee uh with the points but i feel like if they do keep it i feel like it's like a 27 to 10 kind of game like maybe they i don't know i just it's hard to see it's hard to see anyone scoring like 34 37 points on this georgia defense it's hard okay. to see anyone scoring 21 points on this georgia defense uh, a couple other games we can hit real quick, and you can stop me if you have any takes on any of these. We got Thursday, really good game on Thursday night. Uh, Pitt hosting North Carolina. North Carolina coming off the the victory over Wake Forest last week. We got uh, Boise hosting Wyoming on Friday. Saturday, we've got um, some games that did not make the pick em. Samford at Florida. I'm assuming you're going Florida there, but um, we'll have to see. Northwestern at Wisconsin is going to be interesting, I think, at least a little bit, but uh, just because... It's just going to be two inept quarterbacks going back and forth. Um, we got um, Rutgers in Indiana to see who the worst in the Big Ten is. Uh, I think West Virginia at Kansas State will be something to keep an eye on at 12 o'clock. I'm interested to see how that one goes with Deuce Vaughn company. Um, we've got Utah traveling to Arizona. We've got um, Georgia State traveling to Coastal. We've got um, Purdue at Ohio State. How did Purdue at Ohio State not make our pick em? I was just thinking that that was a uh, that was an oversight right there. Purdue, mm-hmm. Ohio State. Um, maybe because when we decided these, the uh, the rankings weren't out yet. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. I uh, twenty and a half is the spread though, and it's at Ohio State. Like, 
they don't they don't have that magic on the road i think ohio state takes care of them um a couple other ones south carolina at mizzou is that winnable for south carolina the Battle of Columbia, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's I think so too. South Carolina. I think Missouri. They look like the second worst team in the SEC. I, I may take year. South Carolina here, folks. And this is where this is. This is in Missouri, right? Mm-hmm. Mm, that's the one thing I hesitate. Uh, but yeah, I South Carolina after that win over Florida. You know, I think you know anything's possible, really. The Not both of these coaches world beater, but yeah. Well, this is uh, the the both of these coaches will not be in the sideline game. It's also happening this weekend. Duke at Virginia Tech. I think this is it for Cutcliffe and Fuente. Um, both these coaches, I don't think, will be back at their respective schools. Um, we got Arizona State at Washington uh, late at seven o'clock. TCU at OK State. Um, we'll see if TCU can uh, keep the magic going. Um, one last one I wanted to hit. So. Matt Green, this is uh, this would be the all time, the all timer. You can get tickets right now for five dollars at DKR Texas Memorial Stadium. Do you know who Texas is hosting at seven thirty on ESPN U Saturday night? Oh man, what is it? Kansas, the Kansas Jayhawks. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm rooting for it, but like, man, if Kansas could pull it off again, man. That is something to keep an eye on. So imagine I don't know. the uh, the rant you're going to see then uh, from a Texas coach. Yeah. Um, why was Cal and up. USC postponed? By the way, is uh, it because of COVID? Is it because of COVID they don't have enough players yeah. for Cal? I don't know which team. I think I it, was it was Cal. That's wild. Yeah. The one one more game I want to mention though, um, the Golden Boot. Mm-hmm. I think that's a low, low key, like super important game. Like, cause like we talk about like these must wins for teams, like the big games are must wins. But when you're, when you're trying to become one of those big teams, like the easy ones are almost the ones you have to have, you know? And so you're not going to get many years as an arc, as a Arkansas Razorback where you're playing four and five LSU and death Valley. Like, Mm. You're not going to have any more winnable opportunities in Death Valley than this. So Arkansas at six and three. I think this is this is like a, a program potential program changing game. Honestly, just because like LSU is not good, but you got to beat them while they're down. You know, and Arkansas to go seven and to go get to seven and three, like they still have a mathematical shot at the at the SEC uh, championship. Like they're not going to beat Alabama, but. It's like seven and three, lose Alabama, seven and four, beat Missouri, an eight and four season, potentially nine and four if you can win a bowl game. Like that's absolutely huge for Arkansas. And you could finish the season, you know, winning like five of your last six games. Like I think it's just super important for Arkansas because if LSU, but I wouldn't put it past them. Interim Orgeron, <laughs> man, he's the best interim coach of all time. So I, the way they play against Alabama, like. I would not be shocked if uh, if LSU won this game. Arkansas is a two and a half point favorite. I think he should do his next act should be like he's an independent contractor for the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's a it's a week to week type deal. He he's just, just like a like a stellar sub. Mm-hmm. You know, just like he just doesn't have a job. <laughs> you fire your coach mid October. He just comes in, rallies the troops. He's like, no, I'm not interested in long term. I'll find I'll find the next <laughs> the next job next year. 
That would actually like a, be my like favorite thing ever. If he could do that, like Texas Tech moves on, so you bring in Ed Orgeron to finish out your year, TCU. That would be that. That's a good gig if you can get it. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> knows none of the players, just comes in and starts coaching teams. I don't, I don't think that could work. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, he's more of a CEO anyway. He does seem to like be good in small doses. People seem to buy into him at the start. Mm-hmm. And then and then he's around for a while. You're like, oh, wow. He's, so he's always like this, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's like me at, on campus at the uh, University of North Georgia. Most popular guy in school, I think. Mm. Yeah. How many times did you get asked? Is he always like this? <laughs> Never, man. <laughs> Never. Only only positive things. I like it. I like it. Matt Green, we can find you on Twitter.com at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Follow myself at Chase double underscore Thomas. Uh, make sure to go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com if you've not already done so. And if you like Matt and I talking college football on this very program, make sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps. Email us at ChaseThomasPodcast at gmail.com. And yeah. All right, Matt. Well, go Vols. Excited for a great orange weekend, orange heavy weekend. Um, it's going to be a delight. Uh, Knoxville is going to be on fire either way. So I'm I'm here for it. I'm just glad it's not a night game because I don't even want to know what kind of insanity would unfold if that were yeah, you the might case. Not, um, you might not be able to stay awake by the end of the game if it was a night game. I know how you're a real stickler about your bedtime when these sporting events. No. Okay. I'm not reliving. I'm not taking the bait. I'm not taking the bait. I'm not doing this. Uh, I'm not doing this. As someone who is potting at midnight for for the folks for the good people out here um i i, I do i i do my stuff i, I take care of it but you know no some, sometimes you gotta just still you gotta get it out there i just like to be honest is- i matt green always pleasure i will talk to you very soon nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah